Amen. Was anybody excited? I'm pumped, y'all. I'm so excited to be here. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Happy Easter. Now turn to your neighbor on the other side and tell him Happy Resurrection Day. I, I love this day. You know why I love this day? Stay with me. I love this day because this day is the day that we celebrate that our King Jesus, somebody say King Jesus. Our King Jesus came and he allowed himself to be sacrificed on a cross. He took all of our sins on himself. He carried my stupidity and your stupidity and he died on the cross. And not only that, but he raised from the dead. If you believe that, say amen. And so that is what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating that our King, King Jesus, rose from the dead, and he is the answer to all of our problems and all of God's people said. Amen. And man, if you were here last week, then you will remember, <laughs> what's up, bud? Uh, you will remember that we started a new series called um, The Gifts of God. And uh, if, if you're visiting, maybe you, you weren't here last week, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you up in just a minute. In fact, if you're visiting, I just want to say what an honor it is to have you in our church family. Hey, Clawson family, would you just give it up? Would you show some love to all of our visitors this morning? What an honor it is to have you join our church family. Our goal and our desire is that you would experience the presence of God. Anybody experience the Lord's presence during worship? And then our second part to that is that we pray and hope that the Lord speaks to you. Not that I would speak to you, but the Lord would speak to you. His Holy Spirit would speak to you and give you the things that you need during our services. So we're in this series called The Gifts of God. Does anybody like gifts? Everybody likes gifts. That should have been way better than that. Anybody like gifts? Yes. And so if, if, you, if you're here throughout the next 10 weeks, from here to nine more weeks, we're going to be talking about gifts that God has given us. I've split it up into three categories. We have the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about the gifts of the Father, the gifts of the Son, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so next week, I'm going to kick off with the gifts of the Son, and then we're going to do the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last, last week, we started in the series, the gifts of God, the, the gifts of the Father. How many of y'all were here last week? Wonderful. If you weren't here, I'm going to catch you up, so it's okay. Okay, so if you weren't here last week, the gifts of the Father. Everybody say the Father. Father. We talked about the gift of life. Everybody breathe in. Now breathe out. Okay, that's actually God's breath because it says that he breathed into us the, the breath of life. Somebody say, thank you, God. And so we talked about that gift. We talked about the gift of the world that we live in. How many of y'all are happy with the world that we live in? About 50% of it. <laughs> we talked about the gift of food. Anybody like food? Okay, okay. This next one. We talked about the gift that God gave the man of the woe man. Anybody like a woman? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And so then the last one we talked about, two more. We talked about the gift of choice. God gave us free will. He didn't make us obey him. He said, hey, here's, I've, I've given you everything on the earth. I've given you life. I've given you food. I've given you a woman. I've given you all the things. But I, I want you to not eat of this fruit. And then he gave us free choice. And man chose to be disobedient. Everybody say disobedient. disobedient. And, and, and so last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 3. He created the world and everything in it. He blessed the man. He put the man there. In Genesis chapter 3, y'all see how big this book is? Um, the man only made it. The man made it that far before we disobeyed God. Y'all, that's two and a half pages. <laughs> that's how far we made it. 
and we disobey God. Now stay with me because this is so good. When we disobeyed God, the Bible says that we were separated from the presence of God. We, God made us and he designed us because he wanted to have a relationship with us. If you look in the Bible in the first two chapters, then the Bible talks about God coming down and, and visiting with Adam and, and hanging out with Adam. He wants to build a relationship with Adam. But when Adam was disobedient, what happened was is we were separated from God. Everybody say separated. Um, also, I want you to know that if you haven't done your memory verse, everybody say memory verse then you need to do your memory verses. Uh, you can do them at the gift shop right now. In this series, we have three memory verses. They're really easy to do, and you can win some really cool stuff. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 is the gifts of the Father's memory verse. It says, then God said, and this is in Genesis 1, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all of the, the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings. Everybody say human beings. Human beings. In his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. That's your memory verse. You want to you say that to them. You can win a cruise at the end of the year. You can also get the word, as David says, in your heart that I might not sin against God. Anybody want to not sin against God? Do y'all remember what happened when we sinned the first time? We're talking about it. We got separated from God. All sin does is separate me from God. So if I'm gonna have a better chance of not sinning by memorizing the memory verses, then you could actually win a cruise and sin less. Somebody say amen. Okay, so here we go. Uh, so the goal from the very beginning when God created us was to have a relationship with us. Because we disobeyed God, that relationship was broken and we could no longer have that relationship with God. God actually took Adam and Eve, he threw them out of the garden and then he closed up the garden so they could not come back in and, and he removed his presence from them. Now, then we, so that's Genesis three. Then we go from Genesis three all the way to the end of Malachi. We got this much right here, okay? And I'm gonna tell you all of this part of the Bible right now, are you ready? We're going to go through all of that. In the Old Testament, God still desired to have a relationship with his people. He, he desired to have a relationship with human beings. So he, he, he had Abraham, that he had a relationship with Isaac, that he had a relationship with Jacob, that he had a relationship. God actually created his own nation. Y'all help me out. What nation is that? Okay, so God created the nation of Israel. He changed Jacob's name to Israel and he created his own nation. And he says to them, I just want you to be obedient to what I ask you to do. And so God gives them all of these laws. How many of y'all have never read the book of the law? Nobody wants to, but thank you, Tyrell, for being honest. Okay, listen, let me just go ahead and tell you, it's, it's, you don't, you're not gonna love it. So it's Exodus, Leviticus, it is 618 laws. Okay, now what we deal with in these laws is God's desire in the Old Testament was for his people to be completely separated from the world. Really, it was a physical thing. So he wanted them to look a certain way. He wanted them to dress a certain way. He wanted them to grow their hair a certain way. He wanted them to farm a certain way. And so he gives them all of these laws so that we can begin to understand what has separated us from God. The laws go from, y'all, let me just say, everyone in this room right now is most likely breaking one of those laws. If you got a shirt on that is made out of cotton and polyester, you are not good if you're a Jew. 
Like you're sinning right now. If you have a tattoo on your body, you are sinning right now. If you have a beard or if you don't have your temples grown out, then you are sinning right now. And so in the Old Testament, he gives them 618 laws. Everybody say, that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm with you. But he, God knew that they weren't going to be able to, uh, to obey all of these laws. So here's what happens in the Old Testament. From, from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of Malachi, what happens is God is just asking them to be obedient. He gives them these laws, and it goes through in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. If you've never read it, it's called the blessings and the cursings of, of, of the Israelite people. And here's what he tells them. Listen, y'all, this is so good. In Deuteronomy 27, he says, if you will just obey my law. Everybody say obey. If you will obey my law, then I will bless your socks off. Everything that you do will be blessed. Your women will have the best babies. Your, 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 I will bless your harvest and your food. I will bless you financially. Your enemies will actually be my enemies. Like that's what he tells them in Deuteronomy 7, 7, 20, 27. He says, if you will obey me. That's a big if, y'all. Amen. And then as we move into 28, he says, if you do not obey me, everybody go, "Uh uh-oh. If you do not obey me, I will curse everything that you do. You'll be barren. Your enemies will come and they will attack you. I will curse you financially. I will curse your people. I will, I will put you in bondage. All I want is for you to obey me and I want to attempt to restore the relationship that I had once with Adam. That's the goal, is the relationship with God to be restored. So he gets his own people and he tries to restore this relationship. I also think it's important for you to understand that in, in the Old Testament, normal people like us, everybody say me, we could not go into the presence of God. And so this is important for you to know because as we move into Jesus, this is really important as we move into Jesus. So normal people like you and I, we could not go into the presence of God. And so what happened is they built a temple. Everybody say temple. They built a temple inside the temple. It had three, three spots, the outer courts, the inner courts, and the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was separated from the rest of the temple by this veil. Everybody say veil. And so the, the presence of God was only in this area from the veil into the Holy of Holies. And if you were a normal person and you tried to go into the presence of God, boom, you fell over dead. If you were a priest that was unholy or that was doing things wrong, if you went into the presence of God, you fell over dead. So most people were, were scared of God and his presence. We could not have a relationship, even his own people could not have a relationship. The Bible says that you had to go to a priest. So there was no, no kind of me praying to Jesus or going to Jesus or going to God. I went to a priest and I would tell the priest, hey, I sinned, I did this stupid thing. Here's a lamb, you go cut the lamb open and sacrifice the lamb, spill the blood, all the things. Then I don't do anything with God. I don't have a relationship with God and I walk off. That is what it looks like from Genesis three all the way to the end of Malachi. And what we see is that God tries so hard to get his people to be obedient to him. He sends prophets to give them warnings. He sends judges to try to steer them and give them direction. He sends kings because they said, I want a king. And so he sends kings and he sends godly kings and he sends bad kings because when, 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 they, when they start to follow him, he sends a godly king and they come to him and they're obedient. What, is, what do you think he does when they're obedient? Help me. Thank you. He blesses their socks off. And then there comes a, a king that turns away from God. What do you think happens when they turn away from God? He begins to curse them. 
So all through the history in the Old Testament, I'm pretty much giving you the Old Testament right now. All through the history, what happens is his people, Israel, everybody say Israel, Israel. is following God and they're getting blessed and then they turn away from God and they're getting cursed. And then they follow God and they're getting blessed and then they turn away from God and they're getting cursed. And this is a cycle that just continues to go over and over and over. Everybody say and over. And over again. And see, what God understands is that this this system that he has put in place is not working. Everybody say, it's not working. working. Is anybody kind of thankful that that system was not working? Me too. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. I'm thankful. You know why? Because it was a bad system. Because God was, was, he created us to have a relationship with him. And so um, he knew the system wasn't working. And the goal was to restore relationship with people, not to give them laws to follow and, and not to make it about what they could or couldn't do, but to actually fix this relationship with people. And so God gave a gift to the world, and this is the gift that we're going to talk about. The Father gave us a gift, and the gift was, his name was Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Now, I would like to stop here for a minute, and I want to bring out that it's very interesting to me. I've been a Jesus follower since I was 19 years old. Do we have any Jesus followers in the room? Listen, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're not going to judge you. We're just going to show you what it looks like to love Jesus. We're going to show you what it looks like to, to serve Jesus. And hopefully when you look at our life, then it's not that religious thing that maybe you thought about at one point in your life, but it's actually really awesome to serve Jesus. And so God sent us this gift of Jesus. Now, I think it's very interesting that in the culture that we live in, You can pretty much talk about spiritual things all day long as long as you're not talking about Jesus and nobody gets offended. Have y'all noticed that? Like you can, you can watch shows on witchcraft and talk about those shows. You can, you can talk about Norse mythology and Greek gods. And you can talk about Buddha and, and Muslims and Allah. And, and you can talk about just about everything. And in the world that we live in, nobody gets offended by that stuff. But if you start to bring up the name Jesus, anybody ever notice that people, like the blood just get, it, 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 things get tense. Amen? And, and it blows my mind because, think about this, almost nobody debates Jesus. And, and when I say that, almost nobody debates that there was a guy named Jesus that existed because there's lots of proof in history, not just the Bible that Jesus existed. There was a guy. Some people believe he was a prophet. Some people believe that he was the savior. Some people believe different things. But listen, there's nobody debates the existence of Jesus. Also, not really a lot of people debate the teachings of Jesus. Like if you think about what Jesus taught, Jesus taught to love people. Jesus taught to serve people. Jesus taught to help the poor. Jesus taught even if somebody hates you to turn and love them. Like, if you think about the teachings that Jesus taught, nobody really debates those teachings. Somebody say amen. Amen. So why is it that everyone gets offended when we start talking about Jesus? I think it's probably the exclusive claim that Jesus makes in John chapter 14. And here's the claim that he makes. He says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, so in this very inclusive world that we live in, when I say inclusive, what I mean is that everyone thinks that all roads should lead to to, to heaven. 
All roads should lead to God. In this inclusive world that we live in, Jesus makes this really exclusive statement where he says, I am actually the only way to heaven. And that's kind of offensive to everyone that doesn't believe that. See, all these other gods, they they didn't make this statement that I am the only way to heaven. That was just Jesus. And so when you start bringing up Jesus, it gets offensive to anyone that does not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, I'm going to say that it blows my mind that anyone could even think that all roads lead to, to heaven. I want you to think about what you're saying. Like people that say, well, we coexist. And if you believe in anything, whether it's mother nature or Allah or Buddha or the Hindu gods or whatever, if you believe in a higher power, then you're going to heaven. I want you to understand and acknowledge with me this morning how stupid that is. Okay. Okay. Let's just take a few things. Okay. Now, Buddhism, this is, uh, follow me, help me out on the screen. Buddhism Let's talk about what, what, what we're going to walk through some world religions real quickly. I'm just going to give you just a piece. If you are a Buddhist, what you believe is that pretty much what you do is going to have uh, karma. Everybody knows what karma is. So uh, what I do, uh, help me out. What am I trying to say? Okay, if you do bad things to people, bad things are going to happen to you. If you don't, if you do good things to people, good things are going to happen to you. And Buddhists believe in like reincarnation type of stuff. So they don't believe that you actually go to a heaven or a hell. They just mean that you continue after you die, you rebirth as something else. And after you die, you rebirth as something else. And ultimately, hopefully one day the cycle will end. Wow. And Buddha, they don't even pray to this guy. This is just some big fat guy uh, that, you know, that helps you to meditate. And, and things. So then let's move to Hinduism. So Hinduism is um, the, the worship of like, there's, there's like a billion gods. Okay, maybe not a billion, but there's like over a million gods, different gods in Hinduism. And so when we see this in the polytheism in the Bible, when Paul is trying to reach several of his different people, they are a polytheistic culture in the Roman culture where they believe in multiple gods. And so if you believe in Hindu, what you believe is I go to a statue or I go to an idol and, um, and, and, and I'll worship my gods and I pray to my gods through this statue or this idol. But same thing, there's like a regeneration that takes place with Hinduism that we don't see at all in Christianity. How about this one? Muslims. Muslims actually, like Christians, believe in a personal God. Help me out. What's his name? Allah. Allah. Thank you. And they read the Torah, the Quran. Sorry, the Torah to us. Uh, they read the Quran. And, uh, and so they get the way that you get to go to, I don't even know what they call heaven. I should have looked that up. The way that you get to go there is by the works that you do for Allah. You work your way to heaven. How about let's move to the next one, like a new age theology. You know that new age theology pretty much means that you are your own God. I mean, I wouldn't mind that. That would be kind of cool. But the issue is that it's not real. Amen? And I would be scared for me to be a God because this world would be in trouble. Amen? How about, listen, did you know that right now, two of the fastest growing religions in the American culture, one of them is called Wicca. You know what Wicca is? I'm going to be real with you, because if there's some Wicca people, I just need to be real with you. You get your power in Wicca from demonic forces. It's evil. It's witchery. It's witchcraft. It's evil. It's, they don't claim to be Satanism or Satanist, but honestly, they're getting the, their power from the exact same place. Wicca is dangerous. It is the, one of the fastest growing religions, the pagan Religion of Wicca is one of the fastest growing religions right now in East Texas. It's huge. How about this one? Norse mythology. 
I have seen more Thor hammers on people's necks than I've ever seen in my life. I counted four this week in Lufkin. I'm walking around and I actually stop and ask them, hey, bro, that's a cool hammer. And he's like, hey, thank you, man. And I asked him, hey, do, do you get that because you like Thor or is this like an actual religious thing? All four of them said, no, this is a religious thing. I was like, holy cow, Norse mythology. Listen, so, so I want, I mean, you know what? They believe in Norse mythology, it's Viking stuff. I think that it's getting really, really, um, 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 it's growing because of all of the Viking shows that are on Netflix and Hulu and all those kind of things. And so they're bringing people into this, this um, where they're wanting to know more about Greek mythology and, and Norse mythology and those kind of things. And so listen, I, I, I want you to understand something. The way to get to Valhalla is to die in battle. If you die in battle, you got your sword in your hand and you're going to Valhalla. Now, I want you, to, I walked through all of that for this purpose. It sounds really, really, really stupid for me to say all of those things lead to the same thing. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Then you contrast all of those things with a person that's a follower of Jesus. What does a follower of Jesus believe? Here's what a follower of Jesus believes. We serve a personal God who loves us and he loves us so much that he created us to have a relationship with us. And because that relationship was broken, he sent his only son to die and to be raised from the dead so that he could restore a relationship back to us. Can we just agree that for us to say that all of those things lead to the same thing is dumb? Thank you, the three people that agreed with me. <laughs> Nobody wants to be controversial this morning. I'll be controversial this morning. I don't mind at all. So, this morning, y'all are sitting here thinking, this is not the Easter message. <laughs> all right, let's dive into a little bit of Easter stuff. You ready? So this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about the gift of Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. The, the, the reason that I'm a Jesus follower is because Jesus, like Paul in my life, came to me at a very, very dark place in my life, and he showed me who, I, who he was and that he wanted me to serve him. And, and since I have been serving him, he's given me purpose all along the way. That is why I'm a Jesus follower. Now, as we dive into this mess, yes, I got plenty of time. Y'all, that was the introduction. As we dive into this message, I want to share with you a few things about the gift of Jesus. And number one, I want to talk to you about the ministry of Jesus. Everybody say his ministry. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2, and I want to read verses 16 and 17. And here's what they say. It says, but when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? That sounds about like a religious person, amen? <laughs> when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come not to call those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. Amen. Somebody say, that's my Jesus. I, I love this passage of scripture with all of my heart. Jesus did not come to call those that thought that they had it all together, that thought that they were righteous. He came to call those who were like me. 
He came to call those who are not righteous and not perfect. He came to call those who have never been good enough, who have not been clean. He came to call those, he came to welcome those that the world rejected and religious people rejected. Um, Listen, he came to call those of you that are out there that are like me. I am so thankful that I serve a Jesus that looked past the perfect people and he saw those that are like me. I am so thankful that instead of looking at people like Jesus, like, like, like people look at people, that he looked past those that, and he looked at the addicts and he looked at those that were on drugs and he looked at those that were caught up in sin and he said, those are my people. I'm so thankful for the Jesus that I serve. I don't know about you, but in my life, I have encountered a lot of both of these types of people. I've encountered a lot of what I call modern day Pharisees and Sadducees. Anybody else? And can I just say too, that both Jesus followers and modern day Pharisees and Sadducees have molded me at different points in my lives. Now, I... I want you to walk through this with me. Because as a young man, I encountered a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees. When I would want to wear my hat backwards, or when I got my ears pierced, or when I started doing, when I wore purple shoes on Easter, uh, actually, it's a true thing. I wore blue shoes one time as a pastor on Easter, and I had two of my deacons like rebuke me for wearing blue shoes. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna whine about my shoes? I actually said, stop being a Pharisee, bro. Stop being a Pharisee. Now, now listen. Listen, I've encountered, growing up as a young man, I encountered a lot of people that thought that they were righteous and everybody else was not. And a lot of people that molded me and shaped me. You know what they molded me and shaped me towards? They, they molded me and shaped me towards hating church. They molded me and shaped me that if this is going to be acceptable in the people that call themselves Jesus followers, I don't want no part of that. Anybody else ever had those people in your life? And then I encountered also some actual Jesus followers. You know what a Jesus follower is? Somebody that acts like Jesus. I encountered some Jesus followers and they begin to mold me. And they begin to take that hard heart that I had towards church and towards religion and towards God and towards God's people or that thought that they were God's people. And they begin to soften that heart and they begin to love me even in the midst of my sin, even in the midst of my drug addiction, even in the midst of my stupidity. They begin to love me and they begin to mold me towards having a heart that was open to God. So both of these groups of people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and, and the the people like Jesus have been, I've encountered in my life and they've molded parts of my life. Listen, the ones that are Jesus followers, they're still molding me today. They're molding me to want to be more and more and more like the Jesus that I serve and less and less and less like somebody that thinks that they're righteous. Amen? Amen. So I want you just to consider for just a minute the ministry of Jesus and who it is that he came for. He came for us, y'all. He came for the Gentiles. He came so that all people could be restored back to God. That's the Jesus that I serve. I also want you to consider, y'all, the miracles of Jesus. Now, some of you may not believe in the miracles of Jesus, and that's okay. But listen, Jesus opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. 
He cast out demons. He rose up the dead. He rose himself. You know, if you look in the Bible, it's kind of shocking that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they never debated that Jesus did miracles. You know why they didn't debate that he did miracles? Because he did them right in front of him. Church was going on and they were up there in the temple and they were speaking and they were sharing the things and Jesus just began to heal people. And they were mad that he was doing it. You should have done it on Friday. But if he did it on Friday, then then it's just still been mad. Amen? And so they did not debate the validity of his miracles. Can I say today that Jesus is still doing miracles, y'all? Y'all, I I heard a miracle this week, and I want to share it with you. Uh, Drake, stand up. Y'all wave at Drake. Y'all, this man right here is a living miracle. I got to go hear his testimony on Wednesday night. You can sit down. And I just want to share with you, because if you think that Jesus is not the answer, I want to prove to you through his life real quick that he's the answer. I, I could prove it through my own life, but that was like 20 years ago. This one was like 60 days ago. Okay, so check this out. Drake has been, uh, he struggled with, I hope you're okay with me sharing this. Okay, yes. Drake, I didn't call him and ask him. Drake has struggled with a meth addiction since he was 15 years old. 15 years old. First time he hit it with the needle. And then he has been struggling. At 17 years old, he found his mom dead in the bed. From 17 years old until, how old are you right now? 27. 27. I said that the other day when I was sharing your testimony. I was like, man, he probably like 27. From 17 years old until 27 years old. Somebody say 10 years. 10 years. He struggles with a meth addiction. He's trying to work. He's trying to do things. He's, 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 he's feeling God recently draw him to God. And he's struggling with this addiction in the middle of this addiction. Several months ago, he winds up losing his girlfriend because he, he tells her that this is, you know, she finds out about the addiction. Then he goes into his boss's office. His boss is, I think he's here this morning, right there. Everybody say, hey, Tim, wave at us. He's right there. Okay. So listen, Drake walks into his boss's office. And he could have been a Pharisee and a Sadducee, and he didn't. And Drake says, I've been struggling. I got this issue, and I'm I'm an addict. And Tim says, well, what are we going to do about it? And instead of rebuking him and casting him out like so many people do, Tim began to help Drake move forward in his relationship and find Jesus. And listen to me. Yes. Y'all, I just sat in the back of the room as he was ministering to the students this past week and just began to weep at all of the things that he's went through in his life. And instead, so Tim helped him to, to begin to walk that line of what it looks like to follow Jesus. He got saved several weeks ago. He got baptized three weeks ago. He shared his testimony last week. Yes, come on, give God some glory. He is 64 days clean. And Wednesday night, because Drake followed Jesus and decided to allow himself to share the ministry and what God has been doing in the miracle in his life, we had 13 students give their life to Jesus Wednesday night. Listen to me, y'all. Jesus is still doing miracles today. Somebody say today. Wednesday, yesterday, every day. Today. I am a miracle because of the ministry of Jesus. 
And so is every single person that's in this room that has become a new creation in Christ. So the ministry of Jesus shows us who he came for and the power that he had. Number two, I want you to consider the followers of Jesus. Now, stay with me because I think this is so powerful. And we're going to walk a little bit along the lines of, you know, lots of people don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They believe that he was a good man, he was a prophet, whatever, but he didn't raise from the dead. I want want to walk through, after he dies, the, the followers of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 26. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, it says, on the way, and this is the night that Jesus got arrested, it says, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight, everybody say tonight, all of you will desert me, for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Y'all, if Jesus says something, it happens. (laughs) It's exactly what happened. The night that Jesus was arrested, you know what happened? The sheep scattered. First, Peter tried to put up a little fight, you know, pull some... Mike Tyson on them boys and take that ear off and Jesus had to put the ear back on. But after that, when Jesus actually physically was gone, then um, they scattered. Peter denied Jesus three times. Listen, stay with me. This is so important. If you don't believe in the resurrection, I want you to walk through this with me. Because in my opinion, this is more proof than anything else of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus dies. Can can you just put yourself in the the place of one of the disciples of Jesus? The guy that I've been following that's supposed to be the Messiah and King just got killed. I have watched the proof of his existence. He has empowered me. I have done miracles before. I've cast out demons before. But at this moment, I'm questioning everything in my life. My King just died. What do the disciples do? Bible says they go into a room and they lock the door. They're not, they're, not, um, they're not out preaching Jesus. They're not out getting people saved. They're not out healing people like they were when Jesus was alive. They're not out um, casting out demons. No, 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 no. They're hiding. Everybody say hiding. You know why? Because Jesus just got arrested. They don't want to get arrested. And so Jesus just died. The disciples are hiding. Okay, now let's get to Sunday. And let's look at what happens in the life of the disciples. In Matthew 28, verses 1 through 7, you know the story probably. It says that Mary and Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they go to the tomb. Uh, An angel rolls away the stone. There's this earthquake that takes place. They run up to the tomb and he says, you're looking for Jesus. He's not actually here. I want you to go and tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. Okay? And so that is is 1 through 7. Then we get to uh, verses 16 through 20. And... um, It says, then the 11 disciples, because one of them's gone now, left for Galilee, going to the mountains where Jesus had to, uh, where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Everybody say doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands. There we go again. Obey all of the commands that I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's hard for people to fathom that Jesus was resurrected. It's hard for people to fathom that after three days, he decided to get up out of the grave. He was busy for the three days. The Bible says he went down to hell. He put a whooping on Satan. He took the keys and he defeated death. So he he wasn't just chilling. He was busy, okay? 
But then on the third day, he rose. And the proof to me is what do you think would have happened with the disciples that are hiding in a room, not doing anything for Jesus, if he would not have rose from the dead? Here's what I believe. I believe that his ministry would have died with him. But what happens is Jesus meets the disciples in Galilee. He rises from the dead. He meets the disciples in Galilee. And he says, hey, guys, what's up? I want, I've empowered you. I've given you my authority. Go into all nations and preach the good news. And when people accept the good news that I did resurrect from the dead, when people accept the good news that I am the Savior, when people accept the good news that I am the only way for you to be restored back to God, your creator, then I want you to baptize them into the kingdom of God. Amen. And what do they do? Let me tell you something. The, every single one of the disciples except for John gets killed preaching the name of Jesus. Every one of them were martyred, except for John, who John was, you know the story, because Revelations, he was exiled to an island called Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelations. Listen, I, I don't know about for you, but for me, I believe with all my heart, if Jesus would not have risen from the dead, these guys are hiding. How did they go from hiding and denying him to, to out there dying for him? It was because he was in fact the savior. He did rise from the dead. He come back and gave them a calling and they went out and they were empowered to do what he called them to do. Amen. 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 Lastly, this morning, I want you to consider for a minute what the gift of Jesus does for me. What the gift of Jesus does for me. At the beginning of this message, I told you that man was created to have a relationship with the Father. When we disobeyed, we were separated from God. We see this whole Old Testament, God's trying to restore that relationship with a group of people, and they still don't obey his commands, and they still don't have a relationship with God. Now check this out, y'all. At the moment that Jesus died, everybody say Jesus died. Remember I told you that they built a temple for, for God and that his presence dwelt in one place of this temple. At the moment that Jesus died, the Bible says that an earthquake took place and the veil that was stopping the presence of God from going out of the temple was cut in half and fell. And that the presence of God was then came out of the temple of God. Why? So that normal people like me and you could be in the presence of God. So that normal people like me and you could have a relationship with God through Jesus being our Savior. I thought you were going to get more excited than that. Jesus died so that we could have a chance to be restored. Thank you, sir. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 12, it says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, everybody say our high priest, our high priest. offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus is the solution to the separation that we had from God because of sin. 
And that's what makes him the greatest gift of all time. The only way that we can be restored and have a relationship with the Father is through the Son. Anybody thankful for that? I want to close this message with this verse, John 3, 16. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask our worship team to come and join me up on the stage and get ready to lead us in worship. And I want to ask our altar team, would you guys step out and come to the front? I think a good question to ask is, what does it look like to have a relationship with God? Anybody ever ask that question? What does it look like to have a relationship with God? Before I had a relationship with my heavenly father, I asked that question a lot. Like, do you talk to him? Do you hang out with him? Like, does he, what does it look like to have a relationship with God? And, and I just want to share real briefly. Listen, it starts when we believe that Jesus came and that he is the bridge and that we can have a relationship through Jesus Christ. That is where that relationship starts. When we turn away from a life of sin and allow Jesus to make us brand new, that is when we are restored. But then it becomes a journey of getting to know God, how to hear his voice, how to learn what his will is for you and your life. And can I just say that it has been an incredible journey. And this morning, I would like to invite you to join me on that journey of building my relationship with God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm gonna to talk to you for just a minute. In just a second, I'm gonna ask you to respond to this message in a couple of different ways. In just a minute, our worship team is going to lead us in worship. And as they do, if you're here this morning, and you have not been restored back to God. Maybe you have believed something different, a different religion. Maybe you, you've doubted his existence or you've, you've doubted that he is the king or you've doubted the resurrection or you've doubted the Bible. If you're here this morning and you can feel the Holy Spirit tugging at you to give your life to Jesus in just a minute when we start playing this song, if you want to be restored and begin that journey of building your relationship with God, don't wait. Even if you've done it a hundred times, even if you've said a hundred different salvational prayers or whatever, if you know that you don't have a relationship with him and you want to start and you want to get some, some guidance and direction in that in just a minute, come, listen, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and maybe you've attempted to follow Jesus before, but life got hard and temptation came and you fell into temptation and you haven't been serving him and you want to be restored back to God. Then in just a minute, don't wait. And then lastly, if you're here and you want prayer, we serve a God that heals. We serve a God that does miracles. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, whatever that may be, or if you're here and you just want to step out and come and worship the Lord during this last song, right now, as they begin to, as they begin to sing, would you step out and come? If the, the Holy Spirit's tugging you for whatever, one of these things, come on right now, don't wait. Don't allow Satan to stop you from getting the blessing that God has for you right now. Step out and come.
and we're going to worship the Lord.